0: so we're back to school and uh, we had meet your teacher on Friday. How many people did meet your teacher? Let me see. Anybody? Oh, look at all those meet your teacher hands. Some of you are a teacher that you were met. (laughs) And uh, we thank you for being teachers. um, Some of you know I substitute teach in the school system. And um, I particularly and uh, admire elementary school teachers. Um, I refuse to sub anymore in an elementary school. (laughs) When you go and sub at a high school, usually there's one thing to do in a class. Give this test and sit there and make sure... I have a little mantra. They don't burn it, break it, or burglarize it. The three Bs. If that doesn't happen, then we're good. If you walk into an elementary school, however... You have a document of many pages. At 8:30, we'll start the reading. Now at 8:37, make sure we integrate the snack. Now at 8:43, I mean it's amazing. You know, you're you're you know they're going crazy. You're trying to read the chart, you know, and it, it's just it's um. So if you do think about subbing, go high school. That's just uh, yeah. And that was the message for the week. So now. So we're going to uh, meet your teacher. It's kind of a big day on Friday, and um, we uh, uh, we're going to give the kids a little snack. It's kind of a ritual afterwards, you know, because it's a big day and they're a little bit nervous. Who they're going to get for a teacher? And there's millions of kids, and it's chaotic. And so you, you learn as a parent to kind of, you know. Um, uh, bribe them, I'm looking for the, a better word, but that's what you do. Like afterwards, if you behave like you know, every like a human being, we'll go and get a donut or whatever. And so they're really now into root beer. Uh, that, for some reason, they're all on a root beer craze. Root beer uh, floats, uh, straight up root beer, root beer on the rocks. Uh, you know, the problem is our six-year-old leaves the root off the root beer part. And so all the time he said, Hey, afterwards we're still gonna get a beer, right? And I'm like, Well don't don't leave the root off root beer. We're not gonna get a beer afterwards, okay? Cool, awesome, dad. I can't wait to get a beer. I said root beer. Before we go into public I want the root attached to the beer part. We're okay, right? And so sure enough, you know, we're at meet your teacher. Hey, we're going to get a beer afterwards. I'm going to kill you. I said, root beer. <laughs> What's wrong with the. It <laughs> Last week we started a conversation, and it's only part of the sentence. You can't have the root without the beer. Or you can't have the beer without the root, I should probably say. We started a conversation called us. And the, this is a, these are conversations about God's church. Conversations, I'm guessing, you probably won't have outside this arena. Not a lot of people are talking about church these days. Less than 30% of Sarasota attends church. We, uh, we know that in Europe it's about 7%. We see a trend, obviously. So it's good for us to say, let's reclaim who we say we are. Because as years go by, I believe that our identity as God's community of faith can easily lose its sense of identity, of who we are, who God calls us to be. We looked at some of those things last week. A holy nation. You could just take that and just, just breathe and eat that for, uh, for a long time. A holy nation, really. Wow, I was just going to church. I thought we were going to sing songs and hear, hear somebody speak and all that. But God wants to elevate our thinking because we are his people. As the scriptures tell us, we'll see later, we are a chosen generation, a peculiar people. I could have told you that to begin with, but a peculiar people, a different people, a people that are set aside there's a there's a fancy scriptural word that we've lost in our generation, sanctify, which means I'm setting you aside for a very specific purpose, and don't lose that. We 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 talked last week about the adventure that God calls us to be adventurous. That is that it is not as we sometimes think it to be. That church is supposed to be a safe place only. A nice place where nice people do nice things and say nice stuff. It's not all of that. It should be that, of course, but that is only one dimension. That's the beer without the root. We have, we are called, and when you notice, when God calls people, if, regardless if it's a, if it's an 80-year-old man named Moses or a, an 80 to 90-year-old man named Abraham or a young man named Joshua or. A teenager, uh, a young king, a, a, t- a teenager that was only eight years old, or whether it's an old woman in the New Testament, doesn't matter. God always calls us to something adventurous. And I believe with all my heart, it's not cliche, I don't like cliches, I don't like little slogans and all that stuff, Hallmark card sayings. I honestly believe and since after nearly three decades of being in the ministry, that God is calling our church to something more adventurous than I've ever experienced in my life in a church. One, I heard that little woo-hoo back there. I think that was my Thank you, Mom. No, I'm just kidding. No, no, that wasn't my mom. Okay. Who was that? Was that the Lord of my... And that, ad- that adventure will always include people. You see, God doesn't call us... To a building. We know that. God doesn't call us to organizational structures. God doesn't call us, thank God, to hierarchy. God calls us to people. He doesn't even call us to just jobs. He calls us to do jobs that are attached to people. And we just didn't go down to um, Wilkinson to write a check. We didn't go down to drop off just a bunch of supplies. We dropped them off because they're attached to people. Because come Monday morning... A child will have the backpack on on his or her back. And that child has a heart. And that child has a soul. And that child has a life. And that child is God's. And that's the adventure. That's the beer part. That's the fun part. The root beer, the the conclusion or the sequel to that, the necessary ingredient, is what we're going to talk about today. Perhaps it's the less fun part. It's the it's the part where I believe that we need to open up and just dig deep a bit if we're going to be ready for the adventure. It's not just all fun and games. Um, we're going to look today at um, a portion of the Old Testament that may seem strange to us. When I look back at the Old Testament at times, because not only was it thousands of years ago, so if you go back any culture for, for thousands of years, they did things quite differently. If you've ever been around the world or you travel to different countries, you'll notice that they do things quite differently. But not only were there cultural changes or historical changes, but there were also spiritual differences. There were, God showed himself and appeared in many different ways. For example, there were more sacred, physical sacred places. Uh, in the Old Testament, they had basically a, a traveling church where you would take the, these canvases, we would think, these cloths, and they would construct what they would call the tabernacle or the tent of meeting. and And God would come down as this worship, this very sacred, designated, distinctive worship place, and He would appear there as in a cloud or when they were traveling across the wilderness he would appear literally in a column of fire or a cloud of smoke. He would call people to very designated distinctive places like mountaintops or altars or uh, these tents or after they became more stable in one location they built a a physical temple with mortar and and stone and God would appear and you read those stories and I believe they're hard to comprehend because we don't experience that. I think it would be awesome if we were worshiping as we were earlier and the entire room would fill with smoke without a smoke machine. Wouldn't that be cool? And the cloud of God would just come in. I I don't get it. I wasn't there. I haven't seen it. I'm I'm guessing you don't. I I know a lot of Christians will sometimes want to make things that are not, but generally God is not appearing to us as frequently and as regularly as that. They, on the other hand, if they could have looked two or three thousand years into the future and looked at us and we would say to them, We are the traveling tabernacle, we are the container of God. They were like, Okay, could you run that by me again? Because if we're not connecting with that, see. So we look back and say, man, wow, they had this tabernacle, this tent, and the Holy Spirit of God, the glory of God, blah, just filled it up. And then we, you come down two or 3,000 years later and we say, hey, guess what? Check this out. You thought that was cool? God is filling us, our frame, our bodies. We're called the temples. And they're like, I don't get it because we're at two different places. But I believe that it is important for us to look back because there are still principles for community that, that are invaluable. One of those sacred places in the Old Testament, let me say the most sacred place was called the Ark of the Covenant. Now, I know what you're thinking. Indiana Jones, right? <laughs> just, I told you. Everyone was thinking, yeah, I've seen that. Oh, I know the Ark of the Covenant. Why? In Leviticus? No, Indiana Jones. Oh, okay, I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it didn't quite make people's faces melt and all whatever happened there at the end of the movie. But anyway, <laughs> it's a puzzle when we look at that. And we're gonna, I'm gonna hit, I'm going to go in the classroom here for just about five minutes and just kind of do a scan of that. Because we're about our everyday business. We're going to Publix afterwards and like, wow, the Ark of the Covenant, really? Does that apply to us? I want to show you how it does. It was the core of their identity. The Ark of the Covenant was a box, basically, that was covered in gold as most of the holy articles of the temple and the worship area were because it represented a pureness. It represented a, a sacredness. And in that... That box, it had, a, it had a lid and inside the box they would put the, the commands that God gave to Moses and then they would put this lid on it and then it had two cherubim. We would say angel-like figures sitting on the top. And then we pick up the story right there. So I'm going to direct our attention to the Old Testament in the book of Exodus chapter 25. Understanding this is a different culture and a different way that God appeared in those days. God said to those putting together this Ark of the Covenant, Exodus chapter 25 and verse 21, Place the cover on the top of the Ark and put in the Ark the testimony which I will give you. There above the cover between the two cherubim that are over the Ark of the testimony or the Ark of the Covenant, I will meet with you and give you all my commands for the Israelites. It became for them a meeting place where they discerned and detected what God was trying to say to them. Thank God now, as we are the holy, have the Holy Spirit within us and the Word of God, which is inspired and breathed by the Holy Spirit, we can begin to detect in our lives where God is leading us. Not all the time. It's not a crystal ball. And there are always question marks here or there, but we have a sense of what God, how God is leading us. And so this became an, an icon for them, a, a, um, kind of a, an identity. We would say in our day and age, the cross has that symbology for us. We don't worship the cross. We don't bow down and worship it as a physical image. And neither did they. They weren't worshiping this box or anything. But it, when we look at the cross, it rep, what it represents for us, that God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever would believe on Him will have eternal life. That's what the cross means for followers of Jesus. What it meant for them was that God's presence... The very core of who we are is there. This box was not to be touched. It was so sacred, they believed. It was so sacred that the presence of God was there. And so God instructed them how then, because we're a mobile group here, we're a mobile community, how we're going to move this thing around in Exodus chapter 25 and verse 12. Cast four gold rings for it and fasten them to its four feet with two rings on one side and two rings on the other. So you've got a ring and a ring and a ring and a ring. Then make poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. Insert the poles into the rings on the sides of the chest to carry it. The poles, listen now, are to remain in the rings of this ark. They are not to be removed. Okay, I'm going to ask you to file that in your hard drive for a second. Box, gold, lid, cherubim, presence of God, um, rings on both sides, gold poles in the middle, and uh, there you go, I just saved you $4,000, you don't have to go to seminary. That's what you learn right there in the archive, just kidding. (laughs) Then you you pick up the poles, and you put them on your shoulders. Never touch the box. Never touch the box yet. I put the poles carefully in person here, person here, person there, person there, and we carry this sacred box. It was their sacred responsibility to carry for them and their mind at that time and their culture the presence of God. It was a sacred, 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 sacred responsibility. Even there were times in warfare that if, the, if the, the ark was not present, things didn't go well. Check this out. First Samuel chapter 4 and verse 5. 1 Samuel chapter 4 and verse 5. They were fighting against the Philistines. These are the bad guys in the Bible. When the ark of the co- Lord's covenant came into the camp... Because the, 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 the ark was away from the camp and it came into the, to, to Israel's camp, all Israel raised such a great shout that the ground shook. Think about that for a second. Hearing the uproar, the Philistines asked, "What's this all about? What's all this shouting in the Hebrew camp? It's root beer. No, just kidding. When they learned that the Ark of the Lord had come into the camp, the Philistines were afraid. A God, they thought, has come into the camp. We're in trouble. Nothing like this has ever happened before. So all the Philistines got really excited and worried and concerned and freaked out. And actually it mustered them and they attacked. And the worst thing that could have ever happened, happened that day to the Israelites. It can happen to us in our bank and our credit card, but it happened to them. Identity theft. They stole the identity from them and the Philistines came in and they ripped off the ark. The very thing that was so sacred to the Israelites, gone. In fact, the priest of the day, Eli, he was old. He had two sons that were just delinquent and not doing good and messing the whole program up. And partly it was due to all of that. All things are connected. And what happened is they came back and made a report to Eli and said, got some real bad news, identity theft. Ark's been been ripped off. It's been stolen. At that moment, his his daughter-in-law gave birth prematurely to a baby. And she died. But as she was dying, this is what happened in 1 Samuel 4. She named the boy Ichabod, saying, The glory has departed from Israel. Because of the capture of the ark of God and the deaths of her father-in-law, because Eli fell back on a chair when he hurt it and broke his neck, and her husband, she said, The glory has departed from Israel, and the ark of God has been captured. Can I tell you that the principle is this? If we as God's community lose the identity of God, of who we are and who He is in us, and we start living like He's not around and He's not in the camp, and the enemy looks in and says, I can just take a lot of stuff from you and still the identity of who you are, and we become who we're not intended to be, I will tell you that the glory, the power, the credit, the honor that should be going to God can leave. It's serious business. I believe that the Holy Spirit lives within our hearts. The Holy Spirit is sealed within our hearts. That the enemy cannot come and rip that off. I believe that. But as we are, as a church, we can lose who God is in this place. It is not about singing songs and preaching sermons. It is not that. We know that, right? But it is serious business when we've lost who God wants us to be and we lose His identity. And those looking into our lives when they read that Christian divorce is higher than those who are atheist, and they can't tell the difference between us and them. Something has remarkably gone wrong. David comes along. Years and years later, the first great king, he was actually the second king, but the first great king. He is a man of God. He is a warrior for God. He has a warrior spirit for God. Passionate. He said, we are going To get that ark back. And he did. Lots of passages to read. We don't have the time to read them. I'm abbreviating the story. David captured Jerusalem. Which was later called the city of David. By the way. And in this moment. We're going to read about the golden moment. That stemmed all the way back. To Exodus when, when God looked at Moses in the eye and said, I'm going to give you the land. I'm going to give you the land and you're going to take possession. And Moses didn't make it and then you had Joshua come along. And, and this was a golden moment where David, the, the great king, had conquered Jerusalem and now he was going in and they had regained the ark. And they are marching into Jerusalem for the identity of Israel, that community, and the identity of God. I'm telling you, this was the moment. This, my friends, was spiritual root beer. (laughs) In 2 Samuel chapter 6, we step into the party. David again brought together out of Israel chosen men. 30,000 in all. He and all his men set out from Bala of Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name, the name of the Lord Almighty. who is was enthroned between the cherubim that are on the ark. And they set the ark on a new cart and brought it to the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, Uzzah and Ahiah, sons of Abinadab, were guiding the new cart with the ark of God on it and Ahiah was walking in front of it. Now, here's where the praise just breaks out. The band is amping it up. David and the whole house of Israel were celebrating with their might before the Lord with songs, with harps and lyres and tambourines and sistrums. I looked that up. I didn't know what sistrum was. It's a Les Paul. It's pretty cool. And cymbals. (laughs) And when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah reached out and took hold of the Ark of God in this big party because the oxen stumbled and the Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act and the Lord, therefore, God struck him down and he died right there beside the Ark of God. Wow, that's a buzzkill to any party. (laughs) Gee whiz. I mean, can you... Just put yourself in that moment. Bring it in. They are. Whoa, he's dead. Wow, that's weird. Okay, you would just kind of step away from him, just in case it was lightning or you know something, some kind of disease or something, right? I mean, just think of the moment of celebration, and then the moment of, wow, Oz is dead. I mean, if you're there, it's weird, right? So you look at this story and think, wait, this was the golden moment. The ark reclaimed. The identity, the name, the name of Almighty reclaimed. David, mighty warrior. Jerusalem, city of God. Why this? What happened? Do you see anything wrong in the story? It's like, where is Waldo? There's something There's something wrong in this story. Did you pick it out? Do you remember how the ark was supposed to be carried? They put it on a cart. You did what? Yeah, you put it on a cart. In other words, you were supposed to have it on your shoulder carrying the sacred identity. And you put it on a new cart. Whoa, a new one. (laughs) Good job. You put it on a cart because if you had had it, like God would have told you, and you put it on your shoulder, it would not have been dropped. And in this moment thank you for allowing me to go through that history but you have to see it to come to that point of how important the identity of God was when you come through all that moment I believe that here's the key of what God and who God calls us to adventurous yes but here's the second here's the beer, the root part of that beer he calls us to be strenuous he calls us to have sacred sweat He calls us to use our spiritual muscles which is the exact opposite of recliner chair, of apathy, of indifference. You see, in our culture today, I know the things that you struggle with because I struggle with the same things. Our life is so dang busy that the faith becomes one spoke on the wheel I got school, I got work, I got family, I've got bills, I've got more work, I've got more work, I got God, I've got more work, and God becomes one of those single spokes. And suddenly, our strenuous, our muscle to carry the identity of God gets weakened. It's like this. I thought, let me give you a visual. I'm doing a little weightlifting these days that's where we started <laughs> yeah and uh, did I hear someone say very little yeah. I can throw this one now see uh, <laughs> when I'm working out my little my six-year-old he's over there pressing this like this right now I get my 20 pounder out and I'm like oh yeah mm-hmm. uh, oh yeah and he's like hey dad it's easy you, see what you do you keep your elbow <laughs> in like this right? yeah. I'm like I can knock you out with this. Okay, just keep it up. All right? There are times that as a Christian, if we're not careful, we're like, yep, yeah, I'm working at it. Yep, a little tired. to think I'll put it on that one. <laughs> but there's no muscle there and will say let me take the most sacred thing the identity of God in my life that I'm supposed to promote that's supposed to be amplified from my life that is supposed to be the most sacred thing that we carry not your credit card or your wallet or your car keys but the sacredness of the identity of God and how dare I ever take it lightly how dare I ever lose the sacredness of saying you know what it takes work. Are you serving to the place that it's hard? Are you giving strenuously? Are you being courageous in a way that you have to be strenuous? Okay, that's it for that arm. I'm done with it it's sacred it's sacred it is sacred I wish that other than the Bible that Fox's book of martyrs was required reading for every Christian or Jesus Freaks volume 1 or Jesus Freaks volume 2 pick any of those up from Amazon they're lists and lists and lists and stories one pages won't take much strenuous activity Of those who have lived before us, and they have lived hard. They have done, they have said, you know, God calls us to a strenuous life. Let me show you uh, one of those examples in Acts chapter 14 and verse 19. Paul, Barnabas, two of the early followers, passionate, strenuous followers of God. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. And they won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead. And I was reading that again this morning. I'm like, you know, isn't it easy in the air conditioned room with our clothes, nice clothes on and all that, just to read by- past that sentence? I don't know if you've ever been in a fist fight. I have. I've been, I've been beat up before, I've been mu- I was mugged in Boston. The sound of a fist against a face. It's a sickening sound. It's really weird. It's a snap and a thud all at the same time. It's it's awful. I'm just thinking, trying to live this, bring this to life. And I know that's kind of weird and gross, but he got hit with big rocks. What did that sound like? What did the first one feel like? What did the 18th one feel like? I mean... Live it. Don't just read it. Until the guy was, they thought he was dead. They beat him with rocks until he was dead. And they drug him outside the city. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and ran for his life. No, he got up and he went back into the city. I'm like, what's wrong with you? (laughs) Really? You know what's wrong with him? He says, you know what? I'm going to make this a sacred event it's gonna be strenuous I'm not going for the easy route I'm going back in don't choose the easy route we're learning The next day he and Barnabas left for Derby. They preached the good news in that city. They won a large number of disciples. Then they went to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch strengthening the disciples. Look at these guys. Good grief. Encouraging them to remain true in the faith. Oh, don't touch my wounds. They're fine. Let me encourage you. And he says, We must go through hardships to enter the kingdom of God. We must. If we're going to be part of this kingdom... You're going to have to flex some muscle and go beyond Sunday morning. That's why I say get in a group. Go beyond the big circle. Dig in. Is it hard? Heck yeah. Stay in Sunday morning. I promise you, you will never have any conflict with anybody in this room because it's a, hey, how's it going? Your work? Oh, good. Going good. See you next week, right? Easy. That's the fun part. This is the beer part of the root beer. In fact, we got a keg in the back afterwards. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I told you we should never come to this church, Alice. It's weird. (laughs) I'm here. 360 is kind of a weird name anyway. Anyway. (laughs) You know what happens in community? Oh, man, that. It teaches you how you should respond when people have to say tough stuff to you. It teaches you how to go the long distance. And it's hard, man and it should be there's some times where we're acting tough we're acting like man we're strenuous but we're really not we were in the mall the other day and uh... my guys were my little boys were acting tough and uh... just thought i'd show you a picture of what's going on with these guys here we go yeah, here we go that's what i'm talking about Yeah. So. Anyway, I, uh, I look at those guys. I'm like, yeah, that's how we look sometimes. Like, yep, I'm serving Christ. Yep, I'm going to really serve Christ there. And guys, like, man, let me check those muscles out for you. Let me see, see, see where those things are. Check this out. Numbers chapter 7 and verse 9. These guys, the carriers of the identity of God, they were to carry on their shoulders the holy things for which they were responsible. We are the people of God. We carry holy things on our shoulders. It is our responsibility. All right. Let me just quickly tell you the tough part and then I'm going to give you the hopeful part. Here's the tough part. Here's the price, the perilous price of apathy. And I'm going to speak from my own life, okay? If it applies to you, You allow God to apply it to you. But I'm going to speak for my own life. Here's the the peril of apathy. Number one, it can become a way of life. I don't know about you, but man, I get out of a workout routine. I get out of a discipline. I get out of discipline of reading God's word. I get out of discipline of of strenuous giving and strenuous living and strenuous all, all those things. And man, just like that, I'm in a habit, a bad habit, a weak habit, a relaxed habit, a lazy habit. A, f- a, flap, a flabby habit, right? You, you connect with that? It doesn't take long. The, go- the gospel, according to Vince Lombardi, says this. Once you learn to quit, it becomes a habit. Man, I know that to be true. There are times I'm catching myself, oh gosh, I've, I have been unstrenuous, if that's a word. I've been unstrenuous. And man, that started six months ago. And it just has become a habit. Number two. It is easy to misrepresent God if we're apathetic. It's easy. It's not who God is. The scripture says He neither slumbers nor sleeps. I I guarantee you this. God is not flabby spiritually. He's 24-7. He's on it. And if we're going to represent Him, that's um, what God calls us to. Number three, the price of apathy is that we don't look any different than any others okay watch this I'm going to park here for just a second the Israelites put their most precious um, item on a cart you know where they got the idea when the Philistines had the cart you know how they carried it around I mean when they had the ark you know how they carried it around take a wild guess on a cart watch this 1 Samuel chapter 6 and verse 10, the Philistines took such two cows, two such cows, and hitched them to, wow, there's the word, a new cart, and pinned up their calves. They placed the cart, the ark of the Lord, there it is, on a cart, along with a chest. If we are not strenuous with God, The challenging thing that I would say to you is we don't look any different than anybody else in this world who often respect God. They don't have a relationship perhaps with God, but they respect Him. And we are called to look differently than others. Finally, I would say this to you, that as any organization in any um, church in this matter, the community of faith, we know the 80-20 rule, right? Eighty percent, twenty percent of the people doing eighty percent of the, the work, and all that jazz. We get it. I'm going to use a hard word. Seatbelt on. It's an abomination. Just saying. I know that hurts. I know it's a big word. It's an abomination to God. It's an abomination to community because community says, "I'll take this corner." you take that corner Ralph takes that corner and Joe takes that corner and that looks like God if the thing weighs 300 pounds and I step out I'm carrying 75 I'm stepping out these guys the weight doesn't go away their weight becomes more if me and Ralph step out now they're carrying 150 and if me and Ralph and Joe step out the whole thing falls down It is our privilege to carry the holy things, which means serving, community, yes, giving. Some people get really offended about giving. Why? It's a sacred, holy, joyful thing. Let me help. Let me carry. Let me be strenuous. Oh, God, you're only letting me keep 90%. Oh, it's so awful. Oh gosh, I noticed there wasn't a lot of giggling. But anyway, (laughs) I know I'm I'm pressing buttons. I'm sorry. It's my responsibility. The strenuous giving happens after 10%. Oh man, Zacchaeus said, let me give you half. Woo, that feels good. Rich, young ruler, Jesus I want it all. I want strenuous. I know it's tough. Let me say this as a matter of hope as we close, a word of hope to you. We can change. We can change. Let me just talk physically for a minute. Back in December, kind of out of shape, two guys looking at me. They look me in the eye and they say, it matters, Steve. It matters what you do with your physical body. Because when you're physically kind of out of tune, you're probably going to be spiritually out of tune. And that has been so true for me. I don't know if it's true for you. That's cool. But uh, but I'm just saying for me, it's true. And we began a workout program. I'm doing P90X. I, say I do P39X. I'm not quite up to the 90 part. <laughs> but I'm telling you, it makes... It made a difference and you can change. I would not be a guy that would change like that. You can change. And if we flip that into the spiritual realm, you can change. If you find yourself like... Man, I'm kind of flabby spiritually. I'm not being strenuous. I don't give strenuously. I don't serve strenuously. I don't love strenuously. I don't forgive strenuously. I don't try strenuously. I don't fight against sin strenuously. If it comes on my computer, I look at it. If it comes in the mail, I watch it, I eat it, I drink it, I sleep it, I do all those things. And God said, fight son, fight daughter, fight child strenuously. Fight, 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 fight. Fight hard. To be who God calls you to be. I don't feel like giving or serving. So what? Do it anyway. How many mornings do I feel awful and I don't feel like working out? Do You do it anyway. Strenuous. God calls us to say, God, we sing have it all. We want you to have it all so we don't look like we got fake mustaches and we're doing that. Make sense? The word of hope is that God can bring change into our life quickly. First Chronicles 15, the, the, another account of what happened. The, they put the, cart, the ark on a cart that fell off. He was um, uh, dropped dead and this is what happened. Then David summoned the priests and the Levites and he said to them, You are the heads of the Levitical families and your fellow Levites are to consecrate yourselves and bring up the ark of the Lord the God of Israel to the place I prepared for it. It was because you, the Levites, the people that were supposed to know better, did not bring it up the first time that the Lord God broke out His anger against us. We did not inquire of Him about how to do it in the prescribed way. God, teach us your prescribed way and there is nothing in this book that says do it easy. Nothing. Nothing. Jesus did not make it easy like many preachers across this country. He said, if you want to follow me, you've got to lose your life. And if you'd like to sign on that dotted line, then saddle up. We cannot longer water down the prescribed way. And I know what I'm saying. I'm pushing the edge today. But I see a church that is on the edge of saying, let's make it strenuous. And I'm just riding that wave along with you. So the priest and the Levites consecrated themselves in order to bring up the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel. Watch. And the Levites, the people that were called to carry the name of God, carried the ark of God with the poles on their shoulders as Moses had commanded in accordance with the word of the Lord they were strenuous let me just end with this story because I got to tell you um, a couple of these guys are saying man you got to read this book I, I got a million people saying you got to read this book I got a stack as high as my house so you got to read the books but this one I pulled out this week it's called do hard things and my friend mike said you got to read this store this one just read this one chapter if you can't read the whole book do small things do hard small things and in that chapter it describes the vikings of the 14 1500s and how they were the threat to all of northern europe there was no one that bordered that coastline that didn't fear for their lives. In fact, churches prayed, God, protect us from the Northmen. It was that intense for them. Some people attribute the Vikings' success to their lighter ships, that they could actually beach them and then make a quick attack. Don't think that was it. The distinguishing mark between the Vikings and uh, and every other Navy was this. They rowed their own boat. You see, everybody else got the slaves to row the boat and the professional rowers to row the boat. But these guys were buff, dude. (laughs) They were ripped. I'm learning all this new language. They had guns. I didn't know what that was before. He has guns. He's got guns? Yeah, he's got guns. Whoa, I'm away from around. No, I'm talking about these guns. Okay, I didn't know they were called guns. All right, I don't have guns. I got water pistols. That's all I got packing right here, yeah, man. All right, so he's got guns. These guys, qua quah, 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 strenuous. They rode, they rode, and they beached time to fight boys and they went out and because they had strenuously trained when it came time to hit the beach they were ready can i beg you can i beg you church not to lose the identity of god he is a strenuous god with power and passion do not lose it don't recline don't relax but amp it up to be the warriors of God that God has called us to be. It is our identity. Let's give it to God and pray. Father, thank you for this message from you. A picture for us that is different because it happened so many years ago and yet the principle is as alive as the air we're breathing right now those who were called to carry strenuously the holy things of God they laid them down oh God how many times in our own lives have we just laid it down to rest and then six months later we realize that we've become in a pattern of apathy which neither reflects your name nor your church. God, I pray that your spirit will call this church. I'm praying, God, not just for your church worldwide, but let me, God, pray for the people sitting in this room, that we will be strenuous followers of God and carriers, strenuous carriers, God, of your holy things. Forgive us for any ounce, if it's 1%, any ounce of apathy if we have not strenuously strained in Your Word, if we have not strenuously strained toward forgiveness, if we have not strenuously given and held up our end of the pole, if we've made every excuse in the world, God, penetrate our hearts. We open ourselves to You so that we may be the church that You look at and say, they are warriors. And we're going to ask it for the kingdom of Jesus. Amen.